fresh out of the oven, it's Cinema Bums. I'm Emmett. And I'm Wade. Cinema Bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie in popular film franchises, one each week, to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today, we are continuing our miniseries X23 about Fox's X-Men films. We will fully spoil today's film, but we will not spoil any future entries in the series. Wade, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for asking. Yeah. This is movie 12 of 13. Oh. So I'm excited to be almost done. And uh, this was the first movie I hadn't seen. So so th- was that a fun new experience? It was. I was really excited to watch something new. Right on. And also, I think I've been... Most of the movies I've been comparing to my memory of them. Mm-hmm. Like, what I've been evaluating is how I feel about them now versus how I feel about them the first time I saw them. Mm-hmm. And this was just like a totally fresh experience well right on back with us today for the first time we have a returning champion i'm the first she's yeah she's a writer director and camera woman extraordinaire it's uh beth fletcher she might be better known to our audience as the german location scout for planet uh harkonnen otherwise known as giddy prime for denny villeneuve's hbo series sisterhood based on the Dune novels. <laughs> I hope to God that that's prophetic. <laughs> I hope so, too. Um, I hope that show someday comes out. Beth, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. Good. Glad to be Woo! the first returning. Our returning champion. Amazing. Okay, well, let's just get right into it. Can you talk a little bit about your previous experience um, with the X-Men movies? I have seen them. Mm-hmm. But not all of them. Okay, but not this one, right? Definitely not this one, yeah. And you watched the movie that directly precedes this in timeline, mm-hmm. if not in release order, right? Apocalypse. The, that's the movie that you were on with us for our last podcast. Yeah. Uh, and you requested to come back and watch this movie. Uh, you I feel talk good about, about that, that decision. Good, yeah. Feel, feel really good about that decision. Yeah. Cool. This movie that we're talking about tonight, Dark Phoenix. Mm-hmm. A 2019 film by Simon Kenberg, written and directed. This movie is called Dark Phoenix. This movie is the 12th installation in the X-Men film series. Mm-hmm. Let me read you briefly the other names of movies in the X-Men film franchise. And just let me know what you think here. X-Men, X2, X-Men The Last Stand, X-Men Origins Wolverine, X-Men First Class, The Wolverine, X-Men Days of Future Past, Deadpool, Logan, X-Men Apocalypse, Deadpool 2, Dark Phoenix. Now, given that list of titles, what would you think this movie would be? Would you think this would be the the ultimate climax of the decades quadrology that it in fact is? (laughs) No. Hearing the list, it sounds like The Last Stand comes very early right? compared yeah. to the rest of the list. It's like, that, this is the last thing that's going to happen. Well, also the way that the Wolverine movies are spaced out. It's like, oh, mm. we got to get another... Oh, no, we're good for now. Uh, no, we need another one. <laughs> Put another one there. This movie is essentially a redo of The Last Stand mm-hmm. in many ways, or at least of the source material of The Last Stand. Talking about what happens when Jean Grey can't control her super... Uh, her super powerful, even for a super powered X Men, um, her su- she's got even super mega powers. mega superpowers, and what happens when she can't control them? 
and she turns to the dark side and chaos ensues. Uh, that is the general gist of this movie. Mm. It's about reckoning with the mistakes of Professor X in the past in trying to protect her from her power, which in fact looks a lot like manipulating and lying to her. Um, so it's about the fallout of some maybe some poor parenting choices on his part as a stand-in parent. And it's also about her reckoning with her own power and what she does with that. It is loosely based on a run of the comics about the Dark Phoenix plotline, um, which we talked about back on The Last Stand. I'm in the middle of reading those as we speak, but it bears very little similarity to this movie in the actual <laughs> like the finer points of the plot. So just the general vibe, she gets this superpower. There's aliens after her to get the superpower back from her because why not? Now we're in an interstellar world that the X-Men are living in now. That's a brief rundown of what this movie is about. Um, Wade, would you like to give us the stats on who was worked on this film? Yes, sir. Who made this work of art? Um, this film was directed by Simon Kinberg, Mm-hmm. who you will remember for uh, co-writing The Last Stand and writing Days of Future Past and Apocalypse. He also uh, wrote this movie, which mm-hmm. makes him the first writer-director. Okay, in the whole series? The first sole writer-director. Okay. So Mangold write, wrote his movies, but he had co-writers. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time that any of these movies has been written and directed by one person. Mm-hmm. This is also Simon Kinberg's directorial debut. The music is by Hans Zimmer, a man who needs no introduction by us, Um, maybe most notable for The Lion King, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, Mm -hmm. almost all of Christopher Nolan movies, including the Dark Knight trilogy. He scored every movie ever made. That is correct. If you've ever heard... And that's that, pretty that, accurate. That, that, that'd be like the soundtrack to part of a movie you were watching. He probably did it. <laughs> that is correct. Um, the first film in the series he scored, pretty wild that they got this big of a get this yeah. late in the series. Oh, yeah. yeah. But he does pretty good work in this. I would say so. Um, running one hour and 54 minutes. Mm-hmm. This film, a budget of $200 million. Mm which means that it would have uh, needed $400 million to break even. Mm-hmm. It made $252 million. Oh, Jesus. Rest is that in internationally peace. or just? That's worldwide. Okay. Uh, so this is the third highest budget in the mm-hmm. series, uh, closely following Days of Future Past, which mm-hmm. was 220 and The Last Stand, which is 210 And it is the second lowest box office. So the third highest budget in the series, and uh, no matter how you cut it, it's the second lowest box office. Next to... The New Mutants, which came out in a pandemic. Okay. The New Mutants came out this year. in 2020. Yeah. Came out in Apparently. 2020. And overperformed. This is by far the... X-Men movie released in a normal landscape that made the least amount of money. Even the original X-Men back in the year 2000 made $300 million. Uh, Deadline Hollywood reported this as the biggest box office bomb of 2019, losing Fox over $150 million. A penny in the bucket. I mean, yeah, yeah, truly to them. It even opened to number two its opening week against The Secret Life of Pets 2. 
The Dark Phoenix Killer. Secret Life of Pets 2 beat this out. Is that the subtitle on Secret Life of Pets? The the (laughs) Dark Killer? (laughs) I can only assume. It also, at the time, had a negative critical reception. It was regarded as being disappointed and anticlimactic for the end of the series. It has a 43 on Metacritic, which ties it with the New Mutants for the second lowest of the series. Damn. The lowest is X-Men Origins Wolverine with 40. The 43 of this movie compares to Apocalypse at 52 and The Last Stand at 58. Wow. Michael Phillips of the Chicago Tribune wrote in his review, It's hard to even render an opinion on the discrete strengths and weaknesses of a franchise that has devolved to the point of Dark Phoenix. A lavishly brutal chore nearly as violent as the Wolverine movie Logan... And a movie featuring more death by impalement and whirring, whirling metal than all of the Saw movies put together. Uh, Simon Kinberg took responsibility for the negative reception, saying, quote, I'm the writer-director. The movie didn't connect with audiences. That's on me. It was released June 7th, 2019. Emmett, what were the other movies released in 2019? Uh, all of them please (laughs) read us the alphabetical list i'd love to do a podcast where it was just me reading it off (laughs) every movie that was made that year and being like flop or bop up just like an up down vote on every single one no discussion like the swedish men reading off the ikea catalog oh my god that's a podcast is it okay uh, okay. all right all right i'm gonna go check that out later but top grossing movie a little a, a little movie you might have heard of it Oh, it's a, no. a little indie film. Who knows who the director is? He's some some nobody. Nobody had ever heard of him. He was just some kid off the streets. Two nobodies. Two nobodies. It's just some kids off the streets, some crazy kids with a crazy dream. They said, we're going to make this movie. Sorry it's going to be an event movie. It's going to be the 22nd movie in a series, and it's going to kick <laughs> so much ass. It's going to be three hours long. It's going to be three hours long after a movie before it that was at least 245. And you are going <laughs> to watch it twice in theaters because you it is going to give you everything you want. The movie is Avengers Endgame. It comes in with $2.8 billion in the box office. Everything else on the rest of this list, by the way, except for the last movie on the list, Mm -hmm. makes a billion or more. I'm not going to give individual prices, but I just think it's significant. We are in that territory. In 2019, Mm. the year before the pandemic, the year before movies ended forever. Shut the... The year year before box office hits ended forever. The Lion King at number two, Frozen 2 at number three, mm-hmm. Spider-Man Far From Home at number four, hmm. Captain Marvel at number five, hmm. The Joker at number six, Rise of Skywalker at number seven. It came out in 2019. Right? I think it came out Christmas of 2019, mm-hmm. which is also what probably why it did so well, although maybe also because it's like... It's Star Wars. Star Wars. It's going to I mean, kill. it's the first year we have had a Star Wars movie that isn't number one. And what is it, oh. number seven, right? Yeah. So didn't do as well as the others. Yeah. Even what Rogue One was like number two. Yeah, I think which so. Which is wild. Toy Story 4, which I forgot came out in 2019, but I did watch in theaters and did think was a pretty great movie. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Terrible. Shouldn't have made it. I mean, no, they shouldn't have made it, but given that they did... It was awesome. Mm-mm. Aladdin, the live action Aladdin. Wow. Uh, at number nine, that X Men spot. And wow. Jumanji, the next level. 
uh, made $800 million that year. Wow. In the category of best, we have movie, Parasite, best director, Bong Joon-ho mm-hmm. for Parasite, best actor, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, best actress, Renee Zellweger for Judy. some movie that no one saw. Everyone's seen it. No, I'm kidding. Um, so let, this is just like goes to this point that Wade always likes to make. About how we award acting prizes based on does it look like the person? If you played a historical person, we can verify (laughs) that you did very much look like the person. Renee Zellweger very much actually looked like Judy Judy Garland. Let's not be pedantic. It's also sounding like them. Oh, true. You've got to do the voice imitation. It's it's called acting. Uh You are acting like that person. Exactly. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And how could you possibly judge acting if you can't look at what they're trying to be? Yes. Right. So you can can do one for one. Uh Uh-huh. That's what I have on movie stats from that year. I also have just a brief blurb from The New Yorker um, where a guy said that it was a lot about apocalyptic movies Mm. in 2019. People were really reckoning with like where our society had gotten us and like how everything like seemed pretty like on the brink of disaster. Yeah. On that note, well, parasite winning is kind of a big deal, right? Does that make you happy as a staunch Oscar critic? As a staunch Oscar critic, parasite winning is good because it's the first foreign language film to ever win. Mm -hmm. It's a great movie. I do believe Mm -hmm. like this is a case where like probably the, like the best movie of the year one I don't know. Or just like a good movie one. Or like a good movie. Like a movie that a movie that I would like to go watch. I like Bon Joon Ho. I really like the movie Okja. Have you seen other other of his movies? No, you was wait, was Mother? Mother was Mother was one of his. Yeah. uh, yeah. So good. I don't know. I just feel I I I think that's a good thing. So I don't want to dwell on it because I hate the Oscars. (laughs) I don't want to be like, yeah, here's this good thing that they did. I don't. I don't think they need too much reward for all of that. I heard someone say they only voted for it because it made them feel okay about being wealthy because the wealthy people are the victims in that movie, and that made me really sad. <laughs> wow, the they, of they that really statement. misconstructed everything. About I know. That. Uh, let's jump into our our binary system here. Oh, no. uh, Beth, I know you're a fan of this. Dark Phoenix, the 2019 Simon Kinberg vehicle. Flop or bop? It was a bop. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Wait. On the bop. binary scale. <laughs> flop or bop? Flop. Okay. Damn, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I am so curious to hear why, okay. but... Oh, I didn't hate it. Okay. I've, I think it's far from the worst movie in the series. <laughs> I think it's... You gave a pop Apocalypse... You gave Apocalypse a bop. No, I didn't. Didn't you? No, he didn't. I certainly you did not. You gave a bop. Yeah, oh yeah. And then... <laughs> I didn't even give the original X-Men, which I think is a slightly better movie than this. Yeah, probably. A bop. Um, <laughs> yeah, you've been a critic since day one. <laughs> well, I think that I'm still, like, comparing these movies to other movies. Mm-hmm. I think, like, if we were just judging in the X-Men scale, uh-huh. it would be a flop because it's better than a lot of the others. You mean it would be a bop because it's better Oh, than yeah. Movies. Sorry, sorry. It would, it would be, be a, a flop because it disappointed the other movies that aren't as good. <laughs> uh, Damn. Uh, Emmett, flop or bop? Bop. They, nice. Fox Studios has done it again. <laughs> oh They've produced a passable superhero flick. 
<laughs> that if I'd known it was coming out, I probably would have gone and spent money on. Excuse me, again? Yeah, there's probably a couple of others. They made one before? Yeah, I think we might have talked about one or two good movies. Well, one or two watchable movies over the past several weeks. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah. I mean, I would watch this one again, which is more than I can say for a lot of the other ones in the series. Mm. But maybe that's just because I've only seen it once. Yeah. So. And you've seen all the other ones multiple times yeah, no. now. Yeah, exactly. Mm. What do you like about this movie, Beth? Why is no, it No, I want to know what Wade doesn't like about this movie. Okay, yeah. Not to say that it's all, all of it is perfect, but like, why a flop? I just didn't think on the whole that it really worked. Mm. Elaborate. I absolutely agree with everything you said. I think it's passable and mm-hmm. I think it's watchable. Mm-hmm. It's harsh. It reminded me of a, a couple other movies. Uh-huh. It reminded me of the original X-Men a lot Mm -hmm. because this movie has scenes Mm -hmm. which I don't think we've seen since the first two movies. Like, this is a a movie that is made of back-to-back-to-back the whole way through a bunch of, like, five-minute scenes of two or three people talking to each other about something. Mm -hmm. And it's been a long time since we've seen a movie like that in this series. For sure. That's pretty cool. I think to sustain that energy, it needs a little better writing Mm -hmm. and a little more complicated plotting because I think that a bunch of the scenes by the end of them, you're just kind of like, I know where this is going. Like, please just get to the point. And um, I think you see some of the actors, particularly Fassbender and Nicholas Holt, kind of struggling with the material. Mm -hmm. Really, like, them saddled with, like, that emotional weight Mm-hmm. Like, they're the ones who have to make the speeches where they're staring off into a bottle of whiskey and talking about things, you know? Yeah. It reminded me of X-Men The Last Stand, obviously, mm-hmm. which this mm-hmm. is kind of like a loose remake of. And what I thought was interesting is that it doesn't seem to be like, let's tell a good version of the Dark Phoenix story. Mm-hmm. It seems to be like, let's make a good version of The Last Stand. Mm. Because it has so many sister scenes. Mm-hmm. Like, it has them going to her childhood home. It has the professor lying to her. Yeah. It has her killing a beloved good guy at the beginning, mm-hmm. or at the end of the first act. Mm-hmm. I would say, also like the first movie, I think the biggest problem with that movie today is that the action doesn't look so good. True. Which is also a problem I had with this movie, with a lot of like suspicious CGI, and that just it it is so violent and in such like an uncommented upon way. Yeah, particularly it, the last like forty minutes. We could that's killing aliens, so it doesn't matter exactly. <laughs> yes. they, they are, and They're let not me just people. I, the The body count on this is forty eight. Oh wow! And forty three of those are in the last act are like all in a single sequence pretty much and mostly aliens, but also some good guys and soldiers and stuff. But those guys are being killed by the aliens. Yeah. I I mean, like I'm not here to like talk. I'm just, I'm just stating facts. I'm just saying like, there's a huge jump between like two or three people dying in mm. the first act, first two acts. Mm. And then like, a just a huge scene. swath of murders in the last That's 40 true. minutes, you know. Emmett, did you know that cops have feelings too? Oh, okay, wait. Can I talk about that for a second? Well, did you consider that? Did, did I Because cons- <laughs> that's okay. Wait, let me... 
let me consider it for a moment because there is that moment and I'm just trying to find my notes on it. I said thumbs down to the Blue Lives Matter speech, but the boathouse behind the cop is pretty cool looking. (laughs) (laughs) There's like half a boat stuck like in the ground with the bow facing into the air and it looks like a cool A-frame house. But no, thumbs down on the thumbs down on this weird like pro military pro cop thing in the middle of this. Mm-hmm. But then they also like if that's what they were trying to do, they also kind of bungled the serve on it because at the end you're like, well those guys were trying to kill her too. So it was like all kind of like, you know, like everyone at the end is trying to kill her and mm-hmm. everybody's shooting everybody and the military comes in and tags them and like is try- putting them in like both choke collars. I don't know. I think the more the X-Men work with the U.S. government, the worse it is for everybody. Isn't that how things typically work? Uh, if I can <laughs> briefly finish. The other movie... <laughs> Sorry. No, no, not at all. I brought it up. Yeah. Um, the other movie that it reminded me of is another 2019 movie, which you mentioned, The mm-hmm. Rise of Skywalker, oh. which is another sort of like enjoyable, well-intentioned movie. Uh-huh. Another movie that is a sort of lackluster end of a long-running series. Mm-hmm. Another movie that puts the female characters forward in a big way, has like way more representation than a lot of the rest of the series, uh, but ultimately is just sort of like not what you would want a grand finale to be. Mm-hmm. Also another movie that features a two-minute-long scene where two characters are both standing still trying to stop a helicopter from leaving. Where uh-huh. one character puts one oh arm out, God. and then um, a female character, and then a male character puts one arm out, and then the music rises and it zooms in on their faces, and then the female character puts her second arm out, and then the male character puts his second arm out, Does that happen? Yes. and then it gets away. And then it gets chewy. I will say it's slightly yeah. better here. It is. It, it is like slightly better, I, but in both of them, it's so dumb. <laughs> I knew I recognized it. When I saw it, I was like, I've seen this exact thing before. Where uh-huh. is it from? It's, it's, yeah. Okay. Um, That's so cool. Technically, uh, Dark Phoenix came out first, right? It did. <laughs> and they were making it first, probably. Oh, Maybe. Yeah. What do you think about themes of the ogre father and vampire mother in this work? Pardon? That sounds like a question I would return to you, Emmett. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why don't you just ask yourself these questions? <laughs> you know, like, like her dad. father, for sure, but vampire mother. Yeah, she's got this creepy alien lady. We haven't even talked about oh, Jessica Chastain yeah. putting in the performance of a lifetime, frankly. Where she just doesn't blink or move her face at all? Any Acting. guesses? Any guesses to her name? Anyone? Zadar. Yeah. It, it was it was Vuk. 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 Yep, it was V-U-K. It. it is. Yeah. Wait, was it really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, really just not doing a damn thing. And, like, kind of good? Um, okay, no. <laughs> Whoever chose to put her in those shoes was an absolute <laughs> jerk. Uh-huh. I, and they literally have a close-up on her taking a step, and it, like, <laughs> falters out. <laughs> like, why would you put that in the movie? You paid someone money to edit that into your movie. <laughs> and, like, she can't... Bad shoes. Beth also noticed that uh, Jessica Chastain does not like dogs. She do- she didn't like the dog. Oh, it's barking, right. and she's like reaching out really far, and she's like, "Stop now!" Like it's like Wasn't she that wouldn't when touch she was the dog. Human yeah, when too? she was human, not even when she was an. I alien. think just her as an actor doesn't didn't want to touch the dog. <laughs> <laughs> 
Emmett said halfway through this movie, unironically, sorry to put you on blast here, Emmett, Emmett said, Bryce Dallas Howard is pretty good in this. This is pretty amazing. She is. She's doing a great Jessica Chastain impersonation. She's playing Jessica Chastain playing an alien, which is really compelling when you think about the layers that are going into it. Speaking of layers going into things, I think this movie is playing with a lot of different stuff. It's the first X-Men movie that is actually like using a power in a symbolic way for something other than like a generalized symbol for a group, but like using it as a character metaphor. Her locked memory and her power are all like intertwined in a way that has to do with her own like family trauma Mm -hmm. and her own like the fact that she like killed her mom and was abandoned by her dad you know is wrapped up in the power and the power becomes a symbol for that in a way that i feel like is not very well utilized in any of the other x-men movies Mm -hmm. where all that stuff seems to be more external uh next we will come into the part of this show where we talk about the cultural context this movie is filmed in the 90s what 90s well, references did you... It wasn't filmed <laughs> in the 90s. This, this movie was supposedly takes place in the 90s. What 90s references did you notice in um, this movie? The long <laughs> jacket that was made out of leather. Oh, yeah. She's a part of the trench coat mafia. Mm-hmm. Okay. Split down the back. And then disappears at the end. Did anyone notice that? The when jacket? She's when she's the... fighting Jessica Chastain, or she gets stabbed through the chest. Uh-huh. And then the jacket's gone. It was part of a it's cool It's just powers. gone. <laughs> wow. It was a cool powers jacket. Yeah, this was something that was annoying to me because I was really looking forward to getting to the 90s in the decades quadrilogy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And already in the 80s, it's diminishing returns. Like, they do so much with the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there is really nothing here that's Nothing 90s. at all. And even, like, some things feel, like, much more modern. Like, they're using technology that is... From the 90s, but they're using it in a way that we would use it mm-hmm. in the 10s. Mm-hmm. And we also, in a brief scene in here, see Dazzler, who oh, is yeah. singing presumably some sort of tie-in song to the movie yeah. that sounds like so 2010s. Yeah, and she looks like she well, she looks like she's dressed in like a 70s disco costume, which means she's either from the 70s or from the 2010s. Well, and they made Raven <laughs> look like an Instagram like influencer. Mm. Like uh, the way her hair she, was yeah, and the way she, she dressed yeah. and like all of even the the wig when she was blue, like mm. Yeah. Can we talk about the general look of the movie? Because I felt it was very different. From it, all is, the it is a little different. What 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 did you notice that was different about it? What stuck out to you about that? How did you feel? I just felt it was sort of glossier. The colors were different. Yeah, it was definitely yeah. brighter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that that comes with like, it's part of the series, but it's not part of like, it's not directly like, it's not like they were like X-Men, the last one, you know, like not the last stand, but it's not like they were like marketing this as being one of the um days of future past like Mm -hmm. series so i think like having someone new coming in and working on it and making it about one character like all of the um wolverine movies have their own look Mm -hmm. you know so i think it's kind Mm -hmm. of that similar strain of like okay well it's it's gene's movie let's give it its own look like Mm -hmm. let's do this own thing so i think that kind of makes sense that they would do that yeah you know to me, it had the visual look, just the visual look, of like a mid-tier MCU movie. Mm-hmm. 
not like I think it was worse in its plotting and its like effect than maybe like some of those mid level or like mid teens mm-hmm. MCUs. But it had that same like it's dark, it's matte, but then there's gonna be like bright flashes of red and purple stuff mm. that are gonna be really visual. And you remember like Captain all those Marvel. weird okay, bleach I figured out, out what that was about okay, though. What was that about? So like in the movie, I don't know if you noticed that we were being annoying about this, but <laughs> It would be dark in one scene, and uh-huh. then it would cut to the next scene with a big, like, wash of uh-huh. light. Uh-huh. But it was always, um, it would cut, and Jean Grey would be on the screen when you had oh, that happen. Uh-huh. And then at the end, she explodes in this big ball of light uh, okay. in the sky. So I think that that's kind of what, because every time they did it, it was brighter. Uh-huh. So, like, the first one, it's kind of washed out bright. Uh-huh. And then the second one, it's like this flash of light that, like, comes in and out. And then the third one, it's just white. And then huh. at the very end, she goes up and like in That's so yeah, I think okay. that that was intentional. Look at that reading the visual mm. cues. It's like no, I yeah, it was good. It was weird though because it's so bright. Yeah, so dark and then so bright. It also was a lot more like uh, human scale than mm-hmm. I mean, especially than Apocalypse, but even than the other movies in this franchise, like so many shots of hallways. Mm-hmm. And, like, street corners, even just, like, the way they shoot it is where, like, you're seeing less of the environment. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it necessarily felt cheap. I mean, we know this was more expensive than almost any other movie in the series to make. But it did feel like it was just, like, a lot tighter on everything that was happening than kind of all the other movies have been. We never really understand what any of the alien stakes are. So the only thing we really care about stakes-wise is, like, what happens to Jean Grey and, like, the couple other members of the team. Mm -hmm. Also, I think there's a big tone shift in this movie when they kill Mystique. And it happens pretty early on. Yeah. Like, before that, it feels pretty poppy and pretty fun. Even though, like, she has this tragic backstory, you're like, yeah, but all the X-Men have some tragic backstory, so whatever. Mm. Like, she killed her mom. Okay, whatever. But we're, we're 20 minutes past that. And then all of a sudden, they kill her, and it kind of slows down for a good maybe 10, 15 minutes. You I, know? I disagree that it was more poppy at the beginning, because mm-hmm. I was really excited when it started off, because it was like, oh... Charles is the bad guy in this. Mm -hmm. Like, Charles Mm -hmm. is going to be villainized in a way that we haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, like, I think that that would have been a cool dynamic to see, like, more of an internal conflict Mm -hmm. in that way. And then Mystique dies. And then it's like, oh, but Charles isn't the bad guy. These Mm -hmm. aliens are the bad guy. And that, to me, kind of felt like a a sellout a little bit. Like, it was like, we're going to do something cool. And then maybe someone came in and was like, no, you're not. And, you know, (laughs) so it's like that kind of killed it for me but i felt like it was a lot like darker at the beginning yeah like it could have been a lot a lot more like bleak mm-hmm. yeah did you notice that there was a scene of jean gray sitting in a street corner while it was raining crying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no she was behind a dumpster right <laughs> did you notice that there was a scene of her in a hospital bed that's shaped like a cross oh when they have her pinned down on the train uh-huh. there's a lot of jesus imagery in this I'm just not sure. I'm just bringing it up because I wasn't sure if you guys caught it. But there is a lot of subtle symbolism in this movie. Yeah. What other subtle symbolism did you catch? Um, Well, there's a scene where Hank is upset about the death of Mystique. Uh Uh-huh. And you see him for like 30 seconds staring at a glass of water on the table. Huh. That is pretty deep. And then the the old man comes in and he pours himself a drink, which is also pretty deep. Mm Mm-hmm. Wait, There's a are, scene this, where, are these jokes? These are jokes. Uh, Vuk is 
<laughs> choking Jean Grey. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then as like a, a transfer of power, there's a little symbolism. And Jean Grey, uh, instead of being choked, makes her choke her. Yeah, exactly. And then that's how she beats her. It's all about the symbolism of power states. Yeah, there's a scene where they make Professor Xavier, a man who can't walk, walk up the stairs. <laughs> that part, that part was yeah. messed up. Yeah, that it was horrible. That oh, part was yeah. really horrible. And that is like right out of the comics. That's something that I feel like, feel like Cassandra Nova does to the professor at some point. So mm-hmm. it's not from this run, but it is like her humiliating him over like the legs thing is like definitely mm-hmm. an image from the comics. That's the bit where you're like, oh, yeah, this is the guy who wrote the Auschwitz scene in Apocalypse. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's back. Oh, my God. <laughs> Same dude. Yeah. Damn. Anyway, I just wanted to point out some of the symbolism <laughs> you might have missed. Some of the symbolism <laughs> in this movie. In this subtle movie. So, wait. I think this would be a great moment to segue into the behind-the-scenes drama. Yes. Ooh. I would love to. And just give us the lowdown. Give us the dirty details. And honestly, don't hold anything back. Well, thank you. I won't. Uh, Brian Singer did not want to return to direct this, as you remember. God bless. (laughs) Thankfully, at the end of Apocalypse, he said he was done. But he did return to produce it Mm -hmm. after the Bohemian Rhapsody sexual assault allegations rose up again. Mm -hmm. His name was taken off of the movie. Mm -hmm. He did still produce it, but they removed his name from the movie. Interesting they did that after the sexual assault since his entire involvement in this series has been after sexual assault allegations have been raised against him. Mm. Uh, Lauren Schuler Donner, who you will remember, we talked about all the time. All the time. At the beginning of this series. Seems like it's been a little bit since we've talked about that it, hasn't we? been, yeah. Well, she produced all of these movies. Mm-hmm. Her name is on all of them. these movies. She's mm-hmm. the Kevin Feige of the X-Men series, uh-huh. the one overseeing all of it. After this movie, it came out that she has been receiving producer credit on all of them honorarily, but the last movie that she worked on was Days of Future Past. Hmm. Uh, After that, she left due to some creative differences. Hmm. Simon Kinberg took over as the man producing all of these movies and overseeing the whole story, Hmm. which is what she had been doing previously. And she went on to produce the TV show Legion Mm -hmm. on FX. And also, um, The Gifted, which was directed in part by Brian Singer, which are the two X-Men TV shows. Oh, wow. I've heard Legion is really good. I've heard that, too. I haven't seen either of them. Anyone seen? Yeah. I've got Legion on my Hulu watch list. Mm. Oh, it's on Hulu? <laughs> mm-hmm. I got to check it out. Uh, after this movie, she tweeted, Save your condolences. I had zero, nothing to do with Dark Phoenix or Apocalypse or New Mutants. Damn. Yeah. Damn. She just disowned her entire okay. child. What? Why do people hate this movie so much? Because yeah. I get that mm-hmm. it's not the best movie yeah, ever yeah, made. Yeah. yeah. But it was quite an enjoyable movie. And no, the writing's not great. But the writing's terrible in Point Break, and we all love Point Break. Like, <laughs> you can't say, you like, I just don't, I guess I don't understand why people thought this was such, like, a trash can. Yeah. Like, because yeah. w- it seems like, from what you're saying, that overall, yeah, it's confusing to me. Yeah. I think, like, almost nobody saw it. Mm-hmm. And there are maybe some reasons for that. But, yeah, it is weird, like, 
Like when we read those lists, like the fact that it's the second lowest in the series mm-hmm. yeah. and that it's like 13 points lower than The Last Stand, which is a much worse movie. Yeah. A lot of people liked Apocalypse and didn't like this movie. Like all of that is... That's strange. Weird to me. Yeah. So Simon Kinberg, I think we mentioned this on our Apocalypse episode, like had to direct some of that movie on the days that <laughs> Brian Singer just didn't show up to set. Right. So he had a little bit of experience directing. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Lawrence pushed for him to direct this movie. Mm-hmm. She said that she would come back to do it, Whoa. even though she didn't like being in the makeup, only if it was Simon Kinberg directing. Wow. And that's how he did it. Wow. And I think that, like, I don't know, he's an interesting guy. But I think, like, the narrative of if the two guys you have on set are Brian Singer and Simon Kinberg, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And Simon is the guy who's been writing it mm-hmm. for all this time. And he's probably the guy who's, like, in the actor's corner. We've heard stories about how Brian treats the actors. Right. Like, it makes sense that they would all want to come back mm-hmm. for him to have his shot. Yeah. And there's probably a narrative from him about, like, this is finally the one I'll have the control on. Like, mm-hmm. this is the one I'll be able to do it on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That all makes sense to me. How much it pays off, I don't know. But it's also insane that it's a $200 million yeah. movie as someone's directorial debut. Yeah. Well, but if he had produced all, so many yeah. of the other ones and, like, he's going to be like, give me the money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think anyone would have objections to that. Because it's not like they're bringing in a new person. Right. onto a huge franchise they're bringing in like an integral part of that franchise to basically do what he was already doing mm-hmm. you know apocalypse failure by fox was viewed as a result of being too explosiony so they wanted to go for what? more that was a direct quote from the hollywood reporter postmortem on this movie oh that i found um they wanted something that was more grounded uh kinberg <laughs> so they did this movie <laughs> Kinberg, so and we'll they see murdered this. 20 people on a train car. <laughs> we'll see this throughout all of these quotes. Oh but God. Kinberg was massively inspired by Logan. Okay. He was like trying to do Logan 2.0. Oh, that's, so that's why Mystique dies the exact same way that Logan dies. <laughs> um, I will say, though, the end, the fight sequence on the train at the end is by far my favorite of like the new generation X-Men movies. Mm. Yeah, that was such a cool scene. It was so cool. Yeah. Because you get everyone at their best, except for yeah. maybe Scott. He's just doing it in whatever yeah, what, he always yeah, does. Whatever. But everyone else is like killing it. Mm-hmm. Nightcrawler when Dude, he goes into his rage. Like, oh my God, that was the best. That was awesome. Yeah. So. I love that they have the professor there too, which is very cool. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I feel like they never explore that in these movies. Because in the comics, the professor is so cool because he's like a guy in a wheelchair in a fight, but he can move things with his yeah. mind. <laughs> right? Which is such a cool action setup. But I feel like he's always like in a hospital bed halfway across the world for the third act of all the other movies. Yeah. Well, in the comics, can't he like float his chair around? Probably. Probably. I'm sure I he can. I think he has a hover chair at some point. That seems about right. I actually had a question. Uh, can you either of you remember if we see any other characters who can like just fly in these movies as we see gene do in this one storm can sometimes fly but and magneto using... can sometimes fly yeah depending oh, on that, that i always true. imagine that he's picking himself up by his helmet oh. and just flying himself around that's oh. cool i don't know kinberg wanted a second go at the dark phoenix after 
the reception of the first time, which he co-wrote. He planned out this whole reboot around getting to this point. Wait, a reboot of the movie that we just watched? He planned out, like, because he's the guy who wrote Days of Future Past, The Apocalypse. So he planned out, like, resetting the timeline and introducing Uh... Jean Grey and introducing the Phoenix at the end of the last movie. Also, he could do this movie. Which is too much for me even to talk about here. Uh, so this was originally planned as a two-film event. The first film was going to star The Phoenix, uh-huh. and the second was going to be about the Dark Phoenix. Okay. Just prior to filming, Fox uh-huh. canceled the second movie and made it one. Okay. So there was a last-minute scramble to get everything together. Huh. After that, there were plans for an event movie that was going to be a sequel to this. Uh-huh. And to New Mutants that was based on the Inferno storyline in the comics. Okay. So it could still happen. Well, when the Disney merger went through, they canceled that movie and they removed plot threads and scenes from both this movie and New Mutants. That that were all about building to that third crossover movie. Okay. I have no idea what they were. Okay. There's like nothing on it. Contact (laughs) Simon. Simon at Fox.com. Simon at the new mutants.com. The original version of this script uh, featured Angelina Jolie playing Emma Frost. The Hellfire Club being the bad guys who come along with her from Mm -hmm. outer space. Mm -hmm. Those characters were changed, but they left the roles and the situations the same. So it was the same sort of plot, Mm. but with different characters. Because um, plot would be motivated by character at all or anything. <laughs> when Chastain was cast, she was cast to play Lilandra. Okay. Queen of the Shi'ar. Yes, that makes sense from the comics. And the bad yeah. guys who came with her were the Shi'ar. Okay. Um, when they filmed the movie, uh-huh. they changed the bad guys to the Skrulls. Okay. Who are shape-shifting aliens. Because they want to clean it up. They don't want to talk about how the Shi'ar, who are really like the most advanced civilization and usually the good guys, were against the X-Men in this case because they needed to kill Phoenix. But we can't get into all that. And in reshoots for the movie, they changed it from the scrolls to the Dibari. Which is why, if you notice in the movie, they only ever say the name of the aliens in subtitles. You never hear anyone actually talk about it. Because it was changed after the movie was filmed. It also kind of gets to me that none of the X-Men were like, who are these people? And it's just Charles being like, what are you? And then it's like, okay, do they know that they're aliens? Like, do we, does anyone curious about who they're fighting? Like, what? There's zero. Yeah. Okay. But I'm glad that that was at least (laughs) something that they messed up and not just forgot about. Yeah. Emma, is there any comics-related stuff? I mean, how does that strike you having read some of it with the Phoenix and the Dark Phoenix separate and all of that stuff? That sounds like that is probably a lot closer to the comics, Mm -hmm. especially if you're bringing the Shi'ar into that because they're a major part in the comic line of like how all this plays out. Phoenix escapes from a battle and is almost about to die, and she eats a star, and it commits genocide on a whole planet. And then the Shi'ar are like, well, that wasn't great. Uh, we need to kill her now, please. X-Men, hand her over. And the X-Men are like, no, we'll go down swinging. We're Americans. And they don't hand her Charles over. Charles is an American. 
<laughs> yeah, whatever. He kind of is. He's, he's adapted it's to the worldview after yeah. 70 years sure, in the country. Sure. Um, and they they don't. Wait, and so then would she Phoenix dies anyway just be... Because she sacrificed herself. Because she always sacrifices herself. Classic. You know. Would Phoenix just be backstory then? Like, if they had done this as two movies, would it have been Phoenix and that is Jean Grey's backstory... And you're setting up the whole alien plot, and then Dark Phoenix is she eats the star, or like, how would that have been a whole movie without her being Dark Phoenix? Wade has as much idea about that as I do. I mean, if they were going straight from the comics, there's other stuff to pull from. There's like mm-hmm. enough stuff to pull from, and like stuff about the Hellfire Club and how gotcha. their involvement works. But I, I don't know anything about whether they actually did that or not. Yeah, there was just a quote from Claremont who mm-hmm. had read the scripts and was like consulting on them somewhat that the first movie was about like showing you the amazing unbelievable power of Jean Grey mm-hmm. and then the second movie was about like breaking your heart with what happened to her Chastain came on to do this movie mm-hmm. because of the film's focus on female characters mm-hmm. she turned down Doctor Strange the part that went to Rachel McAdams ultimately in order mm-hmm. to be in this movie good and- for her <laughs> And she must have liked working with Kinberg because she chose him to write and direct her new movie, The 355, which is um, Mm. a spy movie with her and Lupita Nyong'o and a few others. It is so not surprising because when is it ever surprising? (laughs) But like kind of on one hand disappointing that they didn't get a female director for this movie, Mm. especially like 2019. uh, You have like... Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel and all these movies who are being headed by by female directors. And then this one is this guy. But it is very female forward. And then like Jessica Chastain coming and being like, ladies, but it's still like a dude director, but they all seem to love him. Mm-hmm. I'm very confused by it. Like, good for him. I mean, I think it was very, like, it didn't feel like a man directing a, this is about women movie. It just felt like mm-hmm. a movie. But I don't know. It's like, I guess he got to make that decision as the creator of the movie, but it's weird. Yeah, absolutely. The film was originally titled X-Men Supernova. Oh. It was then changed to X-Men Teen Spirit. Oh, no. (laughs) I like that one. I don't know if, like, I would be happy with that being this movie, but, like, if a movie was called X-Men Teen Spirit, I would be so excited. It would have to be, like, Sky High. But with the X-Men. I would want them to spend more time being like sad on rainy city streets and listening to Nirvana if you're going to do that. No. Oh, well, yeah. Just like any time spent listening to Nirvana. Any time spent listening to any 90s band at all Uh in this movie would have been truly welcome. Yes. Uh, They They should have ended it with closing time. (laughs) Oh, they really should have. It would have been appropriate. And um, Eric and Charles. But like a French cover of Closing Time over them. To, yeah, uh, I know who I want to take me home. And they grab each other's oh, hand. Oh, oh it goes to black. Uh, they ultimately went with the title Dark Phoenix. Okay. As you mentioned, no X-Men in the title. Yes. Because Fox viewed the, the phrase X-Men as a tainted brand <laughs> after Apocalypse. So they dropped it from the title. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Um, Kinberg also wanted it to be a character study like Logan. Kinberg said he wanted it to stand alone and to be more intense, more grounded, and more real and relatable. Uh, Sophie Turner, who played Jean Grey, said that it would revolutionize the superhero genre. Interesting. 
I think Joaquin Phoenix also said that about the movie Joker. So, <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of that going around that year. A lot of superhero movies that year. <laughs> a lot of superhero movies every year. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this movie filmed from June to October 2017. That sounds right. It was going to release November 2018. Okay. In March 2018, Fox pushed the film to February 2019. This was because they had had several test screenings of the movie where the audience reacted very poorly to the third act. Uh Mm -hmm. There were lots of reports that scenes that were supposed to be serious in every showing would like result in the audience bursting out in laughter. Oh, my God. Um, That's amazing. (laughs) It was also changed due to similarities to another 2019 movie that is set in the 1990s and features a female hero and has scrolls as the bad guys. Oh, huh. Captain Marvel. Uh, I'm glad I'm not the only one <laughs> that was like, this seems really like Well, apparently the ending was too close. Oh my god. So um so the entire last forty minutes of the movie are entirely reshot. Nothing from when they are on the train. Mm-hmm. Until the end was in the original film. Oh, that makes sense. And it was entirely different. Everything up until there was the same. I'm glad because we got the train scene. Yeah. yeah. The original ending took place entirely in space. Oh. And it had the scrolls as the bad guys. It was like going into like a full on huge cosmic horror sort of thing. Oh, hell yeah. That would have made more sense of the title Supernova. Mm-hmm. Give us the Kenberg cut. There are like no. a couple pictures floating on on the internet of like people who went to those test screenings. There's one of like Cyclops in space with like his eyes open because oh, Gene God. has like made him. Yeah, that's so cool. Uh, get over his power somehow. I don't know. Oh, give but, us the Kinberg cut. <laughs> please don't start that. Please. I mean, that's the big thing about uh, this movie. Yeah. And that's the big reason why it cost $200 million uh, is yeah. because they reshot 40 minutes of it to be something entirely different mm-hmm. from everything that was before that. Oh, interesting. Dark Phoenix original ending would see Jean, now able to control her powers, blast off into space to face off against the alien armada threatening Earth. The armada would swarm and overpower her, forcing her into her most powerful form, the phoenix. Oh, hmm. what? Does sound familiar. Yeah, sounds very familiar. Wait, is that what happens to Captain Marvel? Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of similarities. Okay, I gotta watch Captain Marvel. But A very strange farmhouse comedy, but like, worth watching. So they were trying to come in on the February 2019 date. It got pushed by Fox Mm -hmm. directly by James Cameron. What? Who wanted the film he was producing, Alita Battle Angel, to move to that February spot. And all of the X-Men people pushed hard against it. Uh, Simon Kinberg said, please, we didn't make it to be a summer movie. It's not a fun blockbuster. Like, it can't come out in June. But what James Cameron wants, James Cameron gets when you're the man who has directed the two highest grossing movies of all time. Wow. Why couldn't they release both of them? Beats me. But it was like it was like mid promotion of this movie. <sighs> like they put out a trailer that said like whatever, February, and then like a week later they were like, actually it's June. So that was considered like the like final. every week I've spent the last year waiting for <laughs> Dune to come out. Oh, uh, like God, nope, <laughs> nope, nope. 
Yeah, it was considered the final nail in the coffin. No, well, well, yeah, no wonder that. it didn't make any money. Yeah, people uh-huh. on the internet would have been pissed. Or people in the general populace would have been like, oh, when is that. it coming out? Or, oh, we missed it because it was in February. Like, because mm-hmm. they had yeah. no marketing for it after that, right? Yeah, like, not much. It, there was a quote from Fox that said that, like, much more people knew about Rocket Man coming out than their big superhero. Oh, my God. Out, which was, like a different scenario for them than they were used to. Well, last thing is just about the marketing of this movie. Two notable things. First of all, mm-hmm. in the trailer for this movie, they showed Mystique getting killed and it showed everyone at her funeral. What? So that was out there like a year plus before the movie came out. Okay. Which was pretty wild. It's a three minute trailer. <laughs> yeah, for real. Kinberg, when he was asked about it, said, the thought process behind that was to show that this is a movie that is unlike other X-Men movies. It's a movie where shocking things happen, where intense, dramatic things happen. People don't just fall off buildings and dust themselves off and walk away. There is a reality to this movie and a consequence to this movie. Emma, does that quote sound like anything to you? Oh, wait, I think he's trying to sound like James Mangold. Yeah, this is almost word for word the opening page of the script of Logan. Which is like, I have one more short thing about the marketing. Sorry for uh, rambling. Yeah. But like my two big takeaways from all of this. Yes. My first one is just that like Kinberg was trying so hard to make this by Logan. Uh-huh. Or like Logan. Uh-huh. And my other one, I think when they reset the universe, mm-hmm. which was so wild at the time. Yes. There was a lot of excitement about like what they were going to do with that. Yes. And I think I personally thought we could see like completely wildly different takes on characters that we Mm. knew Mm -hmm. we could see wildly different types of movies within this universe yeah and then what we ultimately get is the last stand again but a little bit better Hmm. and i feel like from all of this stuff it seems like simon kinberg played the long game on this whole thing just to like make up for what he did to the last stand hmm like, it feels like the reason he reset the universe in the first place was so that eventually he could do The Last Stand right. Hmm. After having, like, ten years of grief about it online for bungling the wow. most beloved storyline in X-Men. That's crazy. It's just, like, wild to me, looking back on it, that, like, all of that huge promising thing was for this. You know, the hints have been there all along. I think mm-hmm. it was Logan... In X-Men Origins Wolverine, who said, there's no redemption where I'm going. And I think the same could be true of Simon Kinberg. The last quick thing. um, Many critics were uh, off-put by the X-Women line in the movie, which doesn't register it like to a huge degree when you're watching the movie. But apparently there was a like short promo that ended with that line that Fox put before all the movies playing in the theaters that summer. That seems clunky. Uh, Kate Erbland of IndieWire called it a cheap shot and said that it contributed somewhat to the movie's poor performance. Uh, Along those lines, this film does pass the Bechdel test. It has more women talking to each other about things other than men than probably any movie in this franchise. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was refreshing. Probably that and uh, the Wolverine are the two. Now we're going to slip into the continuity corner briefly <laughs> on this movie. I'd just like to note 
continuity things. Apparently, this movie is the last in the full series. Like you said about your point to like what they could do after resetting the timeline. We never get a movie that happens after the reset of the timeline in the 2023 zone. So you never get to see what anything we do. We do. We get Logan. Oh, Logan. So that's even worse and even more depressing. Logan is set in 2023. 2029. So six years later and things have gone all the way to hell. Mm -hmm. So really bleak as like, as far as the projected future of that series goes, not much continuity stuff to cover other than that we know Jean Grey comes back to life because she's alive at the end of Days of Future Past. Yeah. And we see her flare through the sky in this as a phoenix on the wing. And I think that we can take that to know that she's coming back. When they ended it on Charles and Eric, I was like, weird place to end a movie that's about Jean Grey. And then they panned <laughs> up into the sky and I was like, damn it. Like, I was also like, these people are all sitting around crying about uh, about Jean Grey. Earlier in the movie, he talked about her rising from the flames like a phoenix that resurrects itself. Her name is Phoenix. She just died in an explosion. You don't think she might come back? That's kind <laughs> that's of the whole thing. just a little thing. bit too obvious, Emmett. Oh, it's a little too obvious. Yeah, I, I would add that to Wade's list of symbolism that is running heavy throughout <laughs> this film. deep symbolism. Also, to your point, Beth, about the two of them at the end, mm-hmm. I think... And I, you know, like let's just let's just keep on going. This is like who's the protagonist of this movie? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that like Jean Grey is probably the protagonist of this movie, but ending with Charles and Eric is also ending with the protagonist of the whole series, because I think there's a case to be made for one of the two of them being the protagonist of like the whole series, and I think it's Magneto. I think Magneto is ultimately the main character of the whole X Men movie franchise. Mm protagonist do you think that it's gene gray in this film yeah yeah yes okay fantastic what does she want she wants to control her power okay i don't know does she want that at the beginning she kind of wants to be rid of her power Mm. but yeah definitely a weird place to end the movie (laughs) wait who's the protagonist of this film dark phoenix yeah i agree i think it's gene gray i think it would be either her or charles which i was trying to figure out throughout Mm. the movie Mm. Um, but Charles' third act change happens so listlessly. Mm-hmm. Like, the third act starts, and then he's on the train, and he's just like, oh, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, but that's <laughs> you know? his his story, like, his plot throughout was so wa- vastly different, not just in the writing and, like, the arc, but in his, like, performances as well. Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, he's kind of, maybe he's the bad guy. And then it's like, oh... I'm sad about Raven dying, but actually I'm talking really happy and now I'm angry. And it was like, what's going on there? Like none of his performance, none of his writing, none of his scenes to me were coherent at all. Like, or Mm -hmm. cohesive. Like they didn't, Mm -hmm. they didn't work at all. Yeah. So to come back around to the end and be like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't have a clear answer what she wants. I wish she had like a little more, agency and Mm. like drive especially at the beginning of the movie Mm -hmm. but i think her change is very obvious because she says it Mm -hmm. she realizes (laughs) that emotions make her strong ah her emotions make her strong Mm -hmm. after thinking that her emotions make her weak for most of the movie okay honestly i think that's a really like i I, to be unironic about i do think that's a beautiful message yeah 
uh, I think it's very clumsily handled. Like, I especially just like stating it like that is maybe like hitting it a little hard on the head and disrespecting your audience, quite frankly. Like, stating it that blatantly. It's like it wouldn't be the first time that X Men movies have disrespected their audience. So, I think it is Jean Grey. I think she's the protagonist. I think what she wants is to be at peace with her power because hmm. that's kind of like what that's something that happens at the very beginning of her life she wants like she's asking for quiet and like she causes all of this destruction but what she's really after is like inner peace every time they use violence in this movie to try and stop her or try and affect things it just like things snowball and get worse to where at the very end they're just like pouring bullets into these aliens in like an absurd fashion yeah but that's a direct result of like like of them taking the way of violence and anger at the very beginning so i don't know i think there's something there's something cool about that it is like a similar death that that alien gets to another character in the from the comics that like giving her all of the power that she's trying to absorb from her until she just like is completely overwhelmed i think that's a cool kind of thing She's on the cross and she says, I forgive you to, uh, to Charles. Charles. Like that's pretty, that's pretty epic. I think it's a compelling art. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I, I yeah. am yeah. unironically very glad that you are trying to engage with the themes of this movie. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because it sounds like no one else ever has. Yeah. I mean, it really, <laughs> from all this stuff, it really does because I think, like, would you say that this movie is as bad as everyone is making it sound? No. No. Right. It's like not a great movie, but it's certainly not bad. I think it's worth it's like at least as worthy of like taking seriously as the other movies in the series uh, are. Sure. Yeah. As any superhero movie is. So sure. I I was not moved, but interested. <laughs> well, I also it sounds like Kinberg got all these good actors on board by like selling them on his themes, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On what the movie was going to be about, uh-huh. rather than the actual sort of like scenes and script yeah. about like the big picture idea for this movie. Mm-hmm. I I'll never not be so like not in awe necessarily, but like like so much wild respect for Fassbender giving Mm. it his all Mm -hmm. and it's like you can see in his eyes that they're dead Mm -hmm. but he's acting like he cares Uh so much and i think that that's great and like i don't think that i could take some of that stuff that seriously Mm -hmm. so like big props to the cast (laughs) in all four movies they give fazbender a scene where he is told that a woman he loves has been killed unbelievable <laughs> we watch it on his face every time it's the same look every and he time he brings it every time he brings it every somehow. time somehow and this this movie is such an interesting different take on magneto too it's like he's older he's sadder mm-hmm. he's put away he's the peaceful. helmet yeah he's in his 60s i did have a little bit of beef though that yeah. it was like i've tasted vengeance and it got me nowhere and then immediately switches into i have to murder this bitch <laughs> and then immediately switches back into no we're protecting her it's like <laughs> uh-huh. but, but beth he had a change of heart <laughs> three times in the last 45 minutes of the movie just like the studios i thought it was brutal to hear and uncalled for but probably true when he says charles you always say speech and no one cares anymore (laughs) beth who is your mvp otp your 
most valuable player other than Phoenix. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. See what they did there? Most valuable player of this movie or yeah. in my heart? <laughs> yeah, either. Both, but just hmm. choose one person. Uh-oh. I need come back around. Okay. Okay. Wait. Uh, mine was Ato Essendo uh-huh. playing Jones, Vuk's second in command. Hmm. I thought he was really good. I thought he had a compelling look to him. Okay. Uh, they start with that like close-up of him at the White House, and I was like, oh. Who's that man? Huh. And then you slowly, I don't even know if he has a line in the single movie, but in, he's in like. In alien speak, I believe yeah. he does. He had a couple more. Than yeah, that. and he has the one in English. Mm-hmm. He has like the two line oh, yeah. scene with Chastain. Mm-hmm. I think he looks really cool. I think he's compelling in the action and he is different than um, what we see in a lot of these movies. Yeah. Beth, do you know yours or should I go to Emmett? Maybe go to Emmett. I'm kind of torn. Okay. I'm kind of. Okay. Emmett, M V P O T P. This is hard. Because this movie has two of my favorite X-Men from the comics kicking ass in all of their scenes, just like using their powers in really cool ways. We've got Storm. We've got Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. They're both giving it just, it's just awesome. They have some scenes as characters, but are mostly just really cool in the fights. I'm going to give it to Storm because it's the first movie where I feel like she's really like, she's a good guy in this one. She's really getting to do what she she, you know, she's getting to kick ass and takes names. There's even the part where Scott is like, no, I need Storm to come along too. Scott, the terrible team leader, finally steps up to become team leader and like have Storm, who's also the other main team leader. He's like, I need, we need to have like both of us. It's like pretty cool. She's still, I still think that Storm is the most powerful X-Men. Underserved. Like completely underserved in all of these movies in this one as well. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I was on the same torn between nightcrawler and storm Mm -hmm. but yeah they're not really in it at all yeah but every time i think about the x-men i think about nightcrawler yeah every time Mm -hmm. because he's so cool (laughs) yeah so yeah it's nightcrawler it's always nightcrawler (laughs) was cody smith mcphee he was the voice actor for paranorman Mm. which i believe that i also mentioned in the apocalypse episode (laughs) Because I love Nightcrawler. The world's number one Paranorman fan. The world's only Paranorman fan. It's me. I I can't believe we haven't even really talked about this. How did you feel about them murdering Mystique? Your favorite character in this entire series, impaling her. Okay, How did it make you feel? I also want to say, it made me feel horrible. Uh Like, that one got to me in ways that deaths across this series did have not. And that... Mm -hmm. I can't really tell if that's because this movie did a good job at framing it or if I just have like such a thing about that character or Mm -hmm. what like what all those intersecting elements are. But I felt I was like, that sucks. I was really upset when it happened. Like the cynical person who's thinking about like the behind the scenes stuff of this is like, oh, Jennifer Lawrence did not want to be in another one of these damn movies. She didn't want to wear that blue makeup. She was like, Mm -hmm. you're going to make me look good in this blue makeup one time where it like really looks really good and I'm going to shoot three scenes in it <laughs> and then you're going to kill me and I'm done forever. My and, and like, this isn't the only time that Mystique dies though, right? It is, in the it's series. The only time. No, we see her die in one of the early original cast. In the last stand, she gets turned human and Same she's left thing. naked and shriveling as magneto walks away from her okay a, a horrible 
horrible scene. Horribly served. Horribly served in every movie. You know what? Give give Mystique her own movie. Hmm. She kind of had. No, she kind of. Yeah. She well, she's had a lot of these movies where it's like kind of they pretend like it's going to be about her, just like they pretend X two is going to be about Nightcrawler, and then it's not. <sighs> and they pretend that like Days of Future Past is going to be about Mystique. It's not. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, she does seem to be the driving force in most of these reboot movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like find a way to have your principal female actor not have to stand naked for eight hours every morning mm-hmm, as mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. paint her. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And then you'll get them in a lot more of the movie and they'll be happier about it. Well, you could also make them the main character yeah, you instead of serving some, some the male characters. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> well, what are thoughts? Any final thoughts from you, Beth? I would still stand behind this movie as being something that I enjoyed. Because yeah. like, it was a good movie. I mean, it wasn't like a good movie, but mm-hmm. it was a good movie. And I think that if I saw that in the theater, I would have come out and been like, hell yeah. 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 I mean, like, oh, that's too bright. <laughs> yeah, for real. But yeah, I, I like it. I liked it. I think like two good songs from the 90s mm-hmm. would have turned this movie into an okay movie. Would have like, turned this movie to, into to an indie movie. movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that too. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, along those lines, I was uh, really disappointed to see Quicksilver, mm, who is my favorite mm-hmm. character in the Decades Quadrology, just get sidelined after the opening act. Mm-hmm. It's cool to see him be a part of the main cast, but like, it sucks that he gets taken out and we never hear from him again. Like, Not even at the end, he's not even standing no. there. And I think it's such a wasted opportunity that we don't see him with a Walkman like turn on the cranberries mm-hmm. and mess something up. Like, like yeah. We could have such a great 90s song with him. Yeah, so disappointed by that. I was so unreasonably upset and triggered by Ty Sheridan's performance as Cyclops in this movie. Oh, God. I almost don't even want to talk about it. It's, like, to an unreasonable degree. Like, it was certainly, like, nothing he was doing. But I was just so angry at how horrible he was in, like, a way that I don't barely ever react to movies at all. But he just made me so angry. Those glasses look pretty dumb. They're, they're so, so stupid. The they're so movie. stupid. They look like the they look like the dad glasses that wrap around your face. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Dad, take those off. Uh, my last thought mm-hmm. was I liked in the climax action scene when Dark Phoenix said, "You want these hands? You're gonna get them." <laughs> and final thoughts good. on Dark Phoenix. MCU is on. The badge of the cops who were trying to kill X Men at the end of this movie. The more from the of the deep symbolism the from subtle. Simon Ginberg, uh, our generation's Anton Chekhov. Oh my really. god! Uh, he did put a gun on the wall. We've got and had all of the fire. We've got Magneto and Zaharga at a point in this movie. At a point in this movie, it just rolls up into this village. No, no explanation of where it is or how they got there. Another last stand similarity is that he has a bunch of juggalos with no personality that he's been raising. This is like, yes, come with me, my children. We will fight and you will die because you are not named. (laughs) And it ends with a really sweet uh, homage to The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, I was wondering uh, if he was going to look around yeah, and see Gene uh, yeah, behind that's what him. I, I totally thought that's where that was going. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, no, that's it. I, I really enjoyed this movie. 
I would watch this movie again. I would almost watch this movie again right now. Uh, I can't really explain to you. <laughs> the bold statement. Like, I wish the alien stuff was cooler. Mm. I w- but, like, all of the X-Men stuff, all the interpersonal X-Men stuff, I was here for it. Mm. Um, I'm really excited to just, like, see an X-Men movie I was just like unreasonably excited to see an X-Men movie I'd never seen before mm-hmm. going into this too. And that helped me too. Cool. So up next this, uh, on this podcast that you've been <laughs> listening to. And by the way, listener, if you've wondered why we have done the global, um, highest grossing films, it's because cinema bums is an international podcast, baby. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Um, so thank you to our listener who has been logging in from IPs all over the world to stream this podcast. I don't it's know why you do listener. it, but thank you. We see you. We it love just you. One I'm so sorry. Emma. Can I interrupt you one yeah, last time please, to say something please. I forgot? My musical theater friends, of which I have perhaps too many, would be mad at me for neglecting to shout out Brian Darcy James playing the president of the United States in this movie. Oh, That's it, all I have to say. Okay. Cool. Playing a nondescript president in 1992 who is not George H.W., nor is it Bill Clinton. So, mm-hmm. interesting timeline questions there. For more on the timeline questions, see us next week when we discuss New Mutants, the 2020 vehicle New Mutants. Uh, Beth, do you have any projects you would like to plug? And where might we find those if you did? Somebody hire me, please God. I need work. <laughs> no. Um I don't have any projects, but as always you can find me at my website, flethbetcher.com. Spelled how it sounds. And uh yeah. It's there. If it's not there, someone tell me. <laughs> well, Beth, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for watching this movie. Oh, and yeah. uh thank you for jumping in. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for coming <laughs> back. For the yeah. first time. Fantastic. Uh Wade. Thank you, as ever, for all Thank your you. work on this. Uh, truly would not exist at all without Wade uh-huh. over here. Much love. <laughs> wow. um, Much love to you. And we will see you all next week when we discuss the last film <laughs> in the X-Men <laughs> franchise. The New Mutants, baby! We're almost there! <laughs> Don't flake on us. Wait, stay frosted. <laughs> <laughs> What is Stay Frosted? Bums is a production of DKG Podcast. It is created and produced by Wade Lawrence Holloman and me, Emmett Temple. Wade also edits and mixes this podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week. <laughs>